Episode 10, Monero. Introduction. In my opinion, Monero is the most important crypto coin or altcoin. The one you should be paying attention to. Bitcoin is a completely other entity to crypto, but of course there exists a whole range, about 20,000 at last count, of coins that are similar to Bitcoin, but tweaked, often by a corporate entity, into something else that is never worth it in the end. Most of these coins do not offer anything of any particular value. Usually mentioned in the use case scenario of crypto coins are things like smart contracts, where the coins are tokens offering access to new and different blockchain protocols offering smart contract capabilities. The market cap of smart contract blockchains has far outvalued that of its actual use. Yet there is always the possibility that an area of the broader crypto space that is not Bitcoin could offer real world uses that Bitcoin currently does not offer. So as this episode might suggest, the second most important coin or the most important non-Bitcoin coin is Monero. We talked about it a little in the mini audiobook to start this podcast series, but I did feel it needed an episode of its own. What is Monero? Why does it matter? Well, it is a privacy-focused coin. It offers completely anonymous transactions and storage of funds carried out on its blockchain. Unlike Bitcoin, you can send value wherever you want, and the blockchain itself will encrypt the data so nobody can tell where the transaction comes from. For those who need privacy of any type when conducting financial transactions, Monero offers the only and the best solution. Monero is almost a copy of Bitcoin, with a similar focus on decentralization, hard supply limits, an open source nature, and the use of a proof-of-work algorithm. There are different block sizes, and generally faster transaction speeds that some have argued sees an improvement over Satoshi's work. But the main selling point to Monero is the encrypted blockchain. If you were unfamiliar with Monero before, the value of Monero might be coming clearer. For the past 10 years, authorities' ability to trace transactions on the Bitcoin ledger has meant that criminals and others needing privacy have been able to be tracked. This has increasingly happened over the last decade, starting with Ross Ulbricht, whose trackable Bitcoin led his arrest and the fall of the mighty Silk Road. Therefore, the creation of Monero could have enormous consequences for those whose identity needs to remain a secret. Anybody who wants an even more private, and one might argue a more secure wealth holding, may want to consider Monero to quite a considerable degree. For those who are the most privacy conscious, criminals, preppers, libertarians, political troublemakers and so on, Monero starts to look like a store of value you cannot ignore. I do predict a rush of those who want to secure some of their wealth seeing the advantage of Monero over anything else. Gold, silver, property, stocks and cash are obvious targets for government. With Bitcoin being trackable to wallets, Bitcoin may become more and more identifiable and confiscatable. Monero, however, is unbreakable by any known 
code breakers. The second real-world genuine use case of Monero that is probably more famous than the first is found in the darker reaches of the internet. Darknet marketplaces and cybercriminals have moved almost exclusively to the use of Monero over that of Bitcoin. In other words, the nature of the free market in money that Bitcoin created is starting to have interesting results. It shows exactly what is needed by different sections of society and who has an incentive to actually make, create and use this money is the free market revolution in money the Austrians would love. The past few years have seen Monero match and now I think surpass Bitcoin as the currency of private anonymous transactions and as a private and anonymous store of wealth. So where does Monero originate? Monero finds its origins in early projects to try and improve elements of Bitcoin. In a similar way to Satoshi Nakamoto, somebody identified only by the pseudonym Nicholas van Seberhagen released two editions of his crypto note white paper, crypto note 1.0 and 2.0. From here, a Bitcoin talk user, thankful for today, coded these developments and theories into what they called Bit Monero. The project was from here forked in 2014 by other users into what they called Monero. The name Monero comes from the word coin in Esperanto. Both Saberhagen and Thankful for Today are still today known only to themselves. The hard fork into what we now call Monero was undertaken by Ricardo Spaghetti who, along with a team of developers, moved Monero's leadership into more practical hands than the user thankful for today. The Monero price increased from its launch, hitting £1 in June 2016, before hitting £300 in December 2017. Much like Bitcoin, the price goes up and down in a volatile manner. By December 2018, it was back down at £35, before going back over £300 in May 2021. Yet price is perhaps not the best judge of growth of Monero. Since 2017, it has started to do what no coin has done before or since. It has broken Bitcoin's use case monopoly. In August 2016, Darknet market Alpha Bay opted to allow vendors to accept Monero, and many Darknet forums followed. Today, all Darknet sites accept Monero, with some opting not even to allow Bitcoin payments. Even the most sophisticated cybercriminals use Monero, and often demand Monero payments rather than Bitcoin in areas like ransomware attacks and other anonymous payments that take place over the internet. The need for completely private stores of wealth and exchange is only going to increase, some for illicit reasons, but me for not. Of course, this podcast focuses on the monetary revolution, not just the Bitcoin one. One of the primary reasons I wanted to do this was my political interest in agorism, libertarianism and Austrian economics, but also the technology of virtual currencies, which will manifest itself in a variety of programmable monies and a direct monetization of the technology of cryptographies. Smart contracts and NFTs and the like are a part of this, but only a small part. 
Since its release, Monero has been a quiet success story in the crypto world. It has developed into a secure and usable network, with increasing software and merchant use. Its developers have helped pioneer the use of atomic swaps to allow for permissionless swapping between Monero and other coins. Monero has the third largest group of developers after Bitcoin and Ethereum, and perhaps the most passionate network of users. In a world of scam artists, morons and misinformation that pervades the broader crypto ecosystem, Monero remains in the hands and interests of largely the most tech-savvy. Monero offers a use case Bitcoin does not, and a very valuable one at that. With a focus on privacy, the Monero network can continue to exist and develop ahead of those trying to break the encryption. The Bitcoin network has other focuses, not just privacy. So Monero, by developing and helping to fund the privacy community, can continue to outpace law enforcement attempts to break the encryption and even help advancements in cryptography more generally. It seems it is not only me who thinks there will be significant developments in privacy coins. It has been an interesting first quarter or two in 2022 for privacy coins. Other coins focused on privacy like Zcash and Dash have increased in value too. And as the Canadian trucker crisis and the kerfuffle in Ukraine have demonstrated the point in not only sovereign money and permissionless money, but also in the need for it to be untraceable, both in sending money anonymously and in receiving it anonymously too. If your Bitcoin address is marked on a list and you send money to a centralized exchange, there is no telling what might happen to it. The attempt to seize Bitcoin and block it in Canada was made easier by the Canadian government's ability to trace the money movements on the open blockchain. Monero avoids these problems by having its fame encryption stop any attempts at this type of blockchain analytics. So good is Monero's cryptographical devices to hide all data about receiving and sending that it has outpaced Bitcoin's use in the grey and dark market. The uses are instructive, and this should enlighten us as to where the future lies. There has been a long history of what you might call privacy technology. The uses of private technology is often first adopted by the criminal underworld, and it can show exactly where the future can lie. One of the main drivers of alcohol smuggling in the 1920s in the US was driven literally by the growth of the automobile. It allowed for private movements away from authorities. Smuggling alcohol via rail, for example, would prove much trickier, with the need to book onto an open public service. Furthermore, home cinema was pushed in various ways by the pornographic industry, which of course needs privacy to flourish. The original home cinema, VHS, DVD and Blu-ray, and internet streaming were all pioneered by pornography over that of traditional media, who were often slow to develop compared to the cut-throat pornographic industry. Therefore, the use of Monero by cybercriminals should be instructive to all about the future of what is actually needed by a free market. The rise of altcoins has diminished the uniqueness of Monero and hardline Bitcoiners against any other coin. Yet this show is about the monetary revolution, not just Bitcoin. And in some ways I feel stronger 
about Monero's use case, as I do Bitcoin's, due to its smaller nature. Bitcoin started in a similar fashion to Monero, coming from a pseudonymous author who published a white paper. Monero wasn't started by Nicholas van Sieberhagen, but by a group of Bitcoiners who saw improvements in some of the payment mechanisms and the cheaper transactions, but mostly the improvement, or the addition, of workable on-chain privacy. The darknet market, Silk Road, used Bitcoin originally as payment, and largely avoided blockchain analytics, mostly due to the fact it didn't exist yet. The Silk Road darknet marketplace was often the first entry point into understanding what the uniqueness of Bitcoin represented, and the realisation for many how revolutionary permissionless digital money was. A value not being transacted through an intermediary is of course of vital importance to those in the drug trade. Gold is impractical. Cash is okay, but as Pablo Escobar showed with warehouses full of cash, it's somewhat useless in large quantities if you cannot bank it. So it showed that digital money, not bank account tokens, was the solution for the creation of an online Agora site. The openness of the Bitcoin blockchain was to the death of the Silk Road, after the capture and imprisonment of Ross Ulbricht for creating a website. It caused an even greater need for privacy. It created and showed an obvious desire and need to improve some form of on-chain privacy. This is the background that caused several developers enthusiastic about Bitcoin to create a Bitcoin spin-off. Not an altcoin, but a proof-of-work blockchain with a pseudonymous developer who earned their coins from running the early mine operations, not from a pre-mine. Monero was founded on a more oligarchical foundation than the tyranny of Satoshi in the early years, before he stepped away. But in large part, Monero has become more democratic, with an increasing focus from hobbyists rather than corporate interest. This insatiable desire to increase on-chain privacy, the type of which Satoshi never got around to implementing, pushed the project into action by way of a few simple cryptographic techniques and improvements to Bitcoin's base layer, that were in some ways pretty considerable developments in the three or four years since Satoshi disappeared. This isn't a claim that Monero is better than Bitcoin due to the additions to the base of Bitcoin's programming. Bitcoin with layer 2 and now layer 3 is far, far more advanced. But Monero, by having more on-chain privacy, a dynamic block size, lower transaction fees, quicker scaling, and a more memory-intensive mining process to disincentivize ASIC mining that has caused some Bitcoin mining centralization are all small differences that add up to quite a large difference in use case. In short, if Bitcoin has a threat, it comes from Monero. How? Well, not by market cap or price per coin. Bitcoin is far, far too ahead to even consider anything like a flippening but in the possibility that Bitcoin could be outcompeted in certain areas when the conditions are right. This is not something inevitable, or maybe even likely, but it is a possibility. The conditions for Monero to be more widely recognised as the second most important open-source decentralised ledger technology may not be that far away. Monero is not associated with the scammy world of ICOs and pre-mines. It has a creation myth not too far away from Bitcoin, 
and can boast of similar decentralising technology, and can even claim to have moderately improved certain aspects of Satoshi's work. So to conclude, Monero is a fantastic coin. It works, it does everything it needs to, and more. It offers a competing vision to that of Bitcoin, and one could argue could convert some of the most ardent Bitcoiners who need to increase their privacy and the other benefits that Monero offers. Whether Monero continues to grow and adopted by more and more grey and black market actors remains to be seen. Yet I believe the possibility exists and is likely. But like everything else in this industry, nobody really knows how it will go. We can only guess. Those who are proved right will see the benefit in their reputation increasing, what you could call their proof of work. And their net worth will increase too. We may come back to Monero at another date, but for now I will leave you. Next time we're going to look at the wacky world of stable coins. Which was my plan at any rate, but now with the lunar blow up and Celsius meltdown, it feels even more interesting and vital to discuss. I'll see you then.